listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Task Group Taji Rotation 4, a combined force of Australian and New Zealand military personnel on a training mission here in Iraq. We're here at the request of the Iraqi government as part of Operation Okra, led by Joint Task Force 633. Operation Okra is Australia's contribution in the Middle East region to international coalition efforts against Daesh and their campaign of terrorism. This week, we're joined by Warrant Officer Class 2 Adam Krongold, who's part of the training task unit here. So thanks for joining us. Tell us a bit more then, first of all, about your role. What do you do here with Task Group Taji 4? Well, uh, my role here at Task Group Taji 4 is, I'm in the 2IC of the 3rd Platoon, so my uh, responsibility is maintaining my team's administration. I assist in the future planning for training for the Iraqis and Iraqi security forces and the maintenance of the company, mainly the ANZAC personnel's uh, proficiencies with the weapons and increasing skills. And at the moment, we're going through a combat shooting package. You talk about offering training to the Iraqi security forces. So tell us a bit more about that, because that's central to the mission here, isn't it, which is a building partner capacity mission. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, it's important that we make the Iraqis able to be self-sufficient with the conduct of combined arms operations. And the way we do this is by focusing on the basics, such as uh, weapons handling, marksmanship, combat shooting, urban warfighting skills such as uh, room clearances, obstacle breaching. We've also got a component of explosive hazard awareness training, first aid training, and all of this is under the context of combined arms and under the umbrella of laws of armed conflict. And in your view, why is it so important that the Iraqi security forces are being trained in these skills? It's it's very important because ultimately it will save lives on the, the battlefield and uh, the Iraqi security forces have the ability to tap into combat experience that the coalition forces have gathered. We can tell them what works and what doesn't work, and they can assimilate that information and use tried and tested methods to make it more combat effective. Within our own organisations, our teams are made up of uh, SMEs or specialists in specific skills. We have people who specialise in uh, offensive support, such as artillery and mortars. We have embedded medical personnel. We also have infantry personnel. And at the moment, we have armoured personnel who are able to teach combined arms. Tell us then a bit about a typical day for you as part of the training task unit. What does your day involve? Normally get up about 5.30 in the morning, then we head off to breakfast. Breakfast is complete and we're down at the assembly area by about 6.30. We conduct our pre-departure checks to make sure that we've got everything we require, such as hearing protection, eye protection, your first aid kits, all required equipment for training, and then we normally head off. It generally takes about 30 minutes to get to the training area. It's about 30 minutes to establish the training area, a couple of quick rehearsals just before the training audience arrives. When the training audience arrives, uh, they normally march in, and as the tour I see of the third platoon, my, one of my tasks is actually to greet them and move them into position ready for their briefs. So we issue the briefs, then they'll break away into their platoon lots and we'll conduct training. 
and that will go till about 11.30 and then uh, they'll all form up, move off to their transport. We start collapsing all the, the stands that we've established or training areas and then we'll withdraw back to our area. When you say that you're conducting training, how do you actually go about that? Is it a case of demonstrating perhaps marksmanship or a particular set of infantry tactics? Or how do you actually train the Iraqi security forces? Most of the Iraqis I've seen uh, learn best through the kinesthetics method, which is actually doing. So we use what which is called EDP, Explain, Demonstrate and Practice. So it's a little explaining, lots of demonstration, try and get them lots of hands-on and then heaps and heaps of practical. What I've seen is they probably assimilate uh, certain aspects of, for example, room clearance faster than I've seen Australian soldiers assimilate that. That's interesting. Why do you think that is? I have a, a whole theory on this and cognitive learning and the, the effects of multimedia. If you want to go down that rabbit burrow, we can. Uh, well, for, for example, in the West, there's this whole theory about emotional intelligence and that, uh, like Western society, people generally are buried in Facebook. Yeah, the Iraqis have Facebook, but they, they don't seem to be fully addicted to it, you could say. So that they're a lot more sensitive to emotional intelligence and actually reading people's facial expressions and doing stuff. So if, if you give them a weapon, demonstrate it, get them to demonstrate it, they generally have those skills set. So from your perspective as a trainer, that must be quite rewarding. You must feel like you're making progress when you're imparting these skills. Oh, definitely. It's very rewarding and particularly because I get to deal with uh, a lot of their senior NCOs, so their sergeants and war officers, and they're always very thankful for the efforts that we provide. And they even tell us stories how they will go back and implement the training they've seen to enhance their own soldiers. And that, that's what we're all, all about, is my company's main task is training at the NCO Academy, uh, growing their future leaders. And we're all about empowering them to conduct their own training mentor them through the practices and then they can take that back to their units and implement it in their own training of their own men. Just last week we had another graduation ceremony for a number of the Iraqis who'd recently graduated from the junior leaders course that you conduct here. It must be very satisfying and rewarding for you when you do see those graduates coming out after having worked with you for a number of weeks. It's very rewarding in the fact that we just uh, finished approximately about 127 of those junior leaders and they come from battalions all around Iraq. So these are the, the most potential leaders within each battalion that they're sent to us as foreigners to train and enhance their capacity to bring back skills, vital skills, back to their unit that will improve their combat survival. You talk about combat survival because, of course, another important factor here is that many of the soldiers that you are training could indeed end up in the fight in Mosul, for example. A few of the Iraqis I talked to just prior to the graduation parade said that they'll be heading off within the next week to uh, Mosul. So that will be into the fire per se. And uh, they seem very confident with the, the skills that we've given them that they will be able to teach their men and it will improve their ability to survive such a dangerous combat environment. Now, in terms of your own preparation to be here, you must have spent a long time preparing for this mission, and indeed you've been in the Army yourself for many years, haven't you? 
Uh, yes, I definitely have spent a lot of time thinking what is required for this deployment. I knew it was a training mission. My post prior to coming here was the training officer at one armoured regiment, so nested very well for this deployment. So I was hitting the books, uh, making myself familiar with American, British and Australian doctrine across the facet of warfighting skills, particularly concentrating on urban warfighting and combat shooting. So ensuring that I got a lot of experience and as much trigger time as possible doing room clearances and combat shooting. You've been in the army yourself 20 years, I believe. Uh, 20 years I'll never look back on. And how many times have you been to Iraq? Uh, this is my third time to Iraq, once to Afghanistan and once to East Timor. So coming back to Iraq, it's, it's good to come back home. Five deployments then in total for you? Uh, yes, this would be my fifth. And how does this deployment compare with your previous deployments? Oh, th this one seems to be a lot less stressful due to that we're not in direct harm's way and that it's more of an enabling mission. We're tra uh, training people to be successful in fighting Daesh. The term is used building partner capacity, which is another way of describing training, of building capacity within the Iraqi security forces. Oh, definitely. Like, oh, we don't just tell the Iraqis what they're going to be taught. They first deliver us outcomes they require to uh, attain, then we'll go back, analyse it, and then we'll develop a training program. And the whole time is in a complete 100% consultation with the Iraqi security forces themselves. So that, well, a lot of their resources are used for the training and where we can, we leverage support from their instructors. Tell us a bit more about your background. You talk about the fact you've had a number of prior deployments. So what kinds of experiences have you had over the years that you think have brought you to where you are now? I always kind of knew that I wanted to join the Army, like I did Cubs, and then uh, then I heard about this thing called Army Cadets, and it definitely sounded like uh, what I wanted to do. So I joined that about uh, 14 or 15, and I made the dizzying rank of sergeant there, but I just couldn't wait to join the Army. And like every young boy, I wanted to be an infantryman. So on my 17th birthday, my mum took me to the local reserve unit, the 5-6 RVR. Embarrassing as it was having your mum there to sign all the paperwork because you're underage, you're not quite an adult, so sign up for the battalion. And then I was doing that, but that started infantry life or reserve infantry life really clashed with my schooling so I transferred to uh, Sixfield Ambulance and became a medic there. That couldn't keep me fully occupied so in 97 I transferred to a cavalry unit so when I went to the School of Armour I thought I was going to go tank they pointed out an ASLAB which is that vehicle with eight wheels and a cannon on it and I didn't even know what one was and they said well that's what you're doing you have a choice you can you know finish the training when you get to Darwin you just walk across the road and change so I, I took that option uh, marched in to 2CAV in November 97 and pretty much was thankful that I went cavalry because very shortly after that I got to deploy to Brunei on jungle war fighting skills. Got back from that as a digger, deployed to East Timor where I was a cavalry inside a cavalry surveillance call sign providing overwatch for other operations in East Timor. In time got promoted to corporal, became a, a troop corporal, then deployed on SECDEP, which was the security mission to the Australian Embassy in Baghdad. So I operated out of there for 
about four months, I believe, and as it would have it, uh, we actually came to Taji as our respite posting because we came out here for about 10 days to relax because it wasn't as uh, stressful as, and the threat wasn't as high as in Baghdad itself. Then about two years later, deployed them back to Iraq, but this time to the south in Asamwa, as part of the Overwatch Battle Group 2. Uh, that was uh, a really good deployment, one of my favourites, because we really conducted like cavalry kind of operations out in the open desert. We also did similar missions to what we're doing now where we uh, provided one of the battalions uh, urban warfighting package so they're able to conduct a kinetic raid on an area uh, which we provided the outer cordon for. After that deployment was uh, Afghanistan, once again a cavalry call sign in support of Tuaria and that was by far the most rewarding deployment, uh, very challenging. And then, well, this deployment now. And you've got a family at home, so it sounds like you've been away a lot over the last few years. There's no way would I be successful in my job if I didn't have the support and understanding of my wife. Like, she supported me every step of the way through the army. has been understanding that, uh, you know, duty requires me to go away. Uh, the kids are proud that I'm here helping the Iraqi people rebuild their country and uh, ensuring that there's security and peace in the region. You feel strongly about that, oh. about doing that job? Oh, very strongly. I be believe, as a, a particularly Australians, we always believe in helping people and we have a moral obligation to come here and assist these people get their country back on track. So moving forward, you're obviously here now for a few more months. What are you hoping to achieve as part of your deployment here with Task Group Taji 4? I'm taking this deployment as a means to improve myself, so I'm reading really wide. I'm, I'm going to book writing classes, learning to write. I'm very uncoordinated, so I decided I'll start step classes. So I'm just getting involved in as much extracurricular activities as I possibly can. And how do you find it, working so closely with the Iraqis? I mean, you must be getting a whole kind of level of, of engagement there that's also quite important. Uh, due to the unique nature of my previous deployments, I enjoy working with people, particularly from a different culture. I like have a get to hear how they live their day-to-day -day life and like compare it to Australians. And what I found out about, or through observation of the Iraq, is that they are very similar to Aussies. Like they don't mind a, a bit of a crack, a bit of a joke, or playing tricks on people. And given that you do have your family back in Australia, who are obviously very important to you. What are you looking forward to when you get home? I'm looking forward to seeing my wife, Michelle, and my uh, daughters, Danielle and Neve, and taking them camping. And now we're discussing maybe going on a cruise. Well, I hope you enjoy your cruise. Well, thank you very much. So do I. Warrant Officer Class 2, Adam Krongold. Thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Task Group Taji, Rotation 4. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.